0: The reading this morning is taken from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 to chapter 4 verse 8. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? the persecutions that I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Dawn. Uh, We're pausing from our series on the promises of Jesus this week. It's Bible Sunday, just to step back and think about the wonderful treasure that we've been given, the Bible, the word of God in our own language. So let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, whether we've been Christians for many years and read your word for many years or whether we're very new to all this and just beginning to dip our toes in the water, as it were, we pray that you will speak to us this morning through these words from Paul to Timothy all those years ago. Send your spirit here in the building and as we watch online, but give us, we pray, a great love for your Word and show us how we can make the most of it and engage with it better. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We'll be focusing on those classic verses uh, from Paul to Timothy, uh, talking about the Scriptures being God-breathed in just a moment. But before then, I want to step back and just sort of set out this letter Paul has written to Timothy, his second letter to his protege, Timothy. In the first couple of verses, 1 and 2, Paul says that he has written to Timothy, it's Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, in verse 2, to Timothy my son, you get that in verse 2, that might come up in just a moment, there he was, to Timothy my son, he wasn't literally his son, but Paul took him as a protege, almost like an adoptive son, he travelled round with him, Timothy shared Paul's ministry, and Paul sent him to different churches Uh, on different errands and looking after different churches and sorting out some of the punch-ups that were going on Uh, and now Timothy probably aged about 40 is overseeing the church in Ephesus Paul himself as an older man is in prison in Rome it's probably AD 64 Nero's persecution is getting off the ground and it's almost certain that Paul was killed as part of that Uh, And Paul is at the end of his life. This is the last letter he wrote, as far as we can tell. And in chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, he writes this. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all who've longed for his imperium. That includes you and me as we hold firm to the end. Uh, But the letter from Paul to Timothy has this feel of Paul handing on a charge to Timothy, a bit like a baton in a relay race. Uh, I don't know if you like watching the athletics when it's on the Olympics or the Worlds. I love watching the relays at the end, the 4x100 and the 4x400, they're very dramatic. Uh, Often athletics is an individual sport here, they're having to perform as a team. And there's always someone who drops the baton or it makes a mess of it. Uh, But getting the baton round safely is quite a challenge. People have to hold on to it tightly and pass it on securely. And that person pass it on securely. And in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes this to Timothy, "'You, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus.' And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So it's a bit like a baton from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to reliable others, from those reliable others to others. And so the scriptures have come down to us 2,000 years later as each generation has passed them on. I have a friend, Sandy, who's... uh, been in in northern Iraq in Kurdistan for most of his ministry translated the New Testament into Kurdish and he came to preach in my previous parish in Hinkley uh, just after he'd done that on this passage and I remember him saying in Kurdish there was no obvious word for the word reliable as they translated this so they translated it people with backbone Paul to Timothy I'm entrusting it to you, now you find people with backbone to trust the scriptures to, that they would hand it on carefully. So Paul is really concerned that Timothy holds on to the truth against all the heresies and er and errors that will come in. In chapter one, verses 13 and 14, he says this, what you've heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Watch over it carefully. That is as much an issue for us today as it ever was 2,000 years ago. There's all sorts of heresies. There's people who try and take us away from the truth of the Scriptures. And we are to hold on to what God has given and then pass it on to others. And there's lots in this letter of instruction to Timothy about how to teach with great patience and careful endurance. Now, this is needed because following Jesus has never, ever been easy. In chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes this, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Uh, Paul was in prison for his faith in Jesus. It would have been very tempting for people to be ashamed of him, just as it's tempting for us in this day and age to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. It feels so weak that a man who died 2,000 years ago upon the cross is our saviour and yet it's true and that person was God in human form and it's the best news leading to forgiveness and being adopted in God's family and the peace and joy and hope that he brings. But following him has never been easy. Uh, Timothy would be tempted to be ashamed. Paul writes, join with me in suffering for the gospel." In chapter 3 and verse 12, we heard Dawn read this to us. Everyone who wants to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mercifully, in this country, we're not persecuted very much at all. A little bit of ridicule, maybe, but that's about it. Though many of our brothers and sisters around the world are in prison for their faith, just like Paul was. And he writes in chapter 4 and verse 5. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. So running through this letter is a theme. There's suffering, there's persecution, there's hardship. It's not easy to be a Christian, but it is wonderful, and it leads to eternal life. And throughout this letter, you find different things that Paul says Timothy will need if he is to endure hardship and keep going in the face of persecution and suffering. He needs to fan into flames the gift of God. You get this, chapter 1, verses 67... 6 and 7, by the Holy Spirit. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. We all need that. We need to be filled afresh with God's Spirit, who gives us strength when we're tempted to be timid, to stand firm for the truth we believe. We need God's Holy Spirit. Uh, We need each other. Uh, Christianity is not a solo sport, if you like. Uh, when we're on our own, we can easily get picked off. Paul was in prison and easily isolated. But at the end of the letter, he wrote this, chapter 4, verses 9 to 13. To Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly. He's missing Timothy, his son. Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Dalmatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So, Paul, Paul is a, a warm, loving man who misses his friends with him. And he asks uh, Timothy to come. Get Mark and bring him with you. I love that because Paul and Mark had fallen out uh, on a missionary journey, but Paul wants Mark to be back with him. He's helpful to me. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And he goes on, when you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Tras. It's a bit cold here in this prison. I need a warmer cloak. And bring my scrolls, especially the parchment. There's this warm heartiness. We need each other. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit. We need each other. But then in the heart of our reading, we need the scriptures. Let me read to you again from chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Paul says to Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of. You know those from whom you've learnt it. You know how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here's our key verse. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. That So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So two particular things in that verse 16. Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful to us. And I want to be encouraging you today as I'm speaking to myself to make the most of this extraordinary thing that we have. God's word translated in our own language that we can read. I have friends who went smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain back in the 80s, uh, the 1980s and looking for believers to give a Bible to and describing their joy as they were given a copy of the scriptures in their own language. Uh, we've grown up with having it in English and it's easy to take it for granted and forget what a treasure this is. And Paul says that scripture is God-breathed. Now, some translations say inspired. Literally, it's expired. It's breathed out by God. that means that God so worked through all the different people who wrote the Bible, over 40 people, around 40 different people, over a 1,000 years in three different languages, but God so worked through each of them that what they wrote was what he wanted to communicate. Now, God didn't dictate hate it and just sort of bypass their personalities he wrote in particular cultural situations using particular people so David uses shepherd imagery that was his background Paul who grew up in cities talks about temples and markets Luke the doctor who was educated writes in really good Greek Mark writes in lousy Greek it doesn't matter it's God so works through all of them that what they wrote was what God wanted us to know God has breathed out his truth through the scriptures. And so what I'm holding in my hand, what we have in the Bible, is incredibly precious. It's the very words of God. At the coronation of a monarch in this country, when the queen was crowned all those years ago, back in 1953, amid all the pomp and ceremony, all the jewels and the crowns, the robes, the scepter, the orb, she was given a copy of the Bible. Uh, with these words. This is the most precious thing this world affords. Here are the very oracles of God. And when you read it, never take it for granted. God has breathed this out. People have given their lives for translating it into English hundreds of years ago. Uh, so it's very precious, but it's both the word of God he's breathed it out and it's the word of people, the people who wrote it. So I always say scripture has a dual authorship, it's the word of people and the word of God, so it requires a dual approach. We approach it like no other book, because it's God's word, but we approach it like any other book or collection of books to try and understand it better. And we have a wonderful array of resources uh, in our day and age to help us understand it better. Uh, at the annual meeting we presented Lewis with a couple of Tom Wright's commentaries Tom Wright's written simple commentaries on the whole New Testament uh, for everyone and Lewis had got all of them except for two and asked for these as we honoured him as church warden emeritus they are a really good way to get into the New Testament uh, to read a passage and Tom Wright would explain very simply the background and some of the terms that we wouldn't understand unless we knew Uh, but there's an awful lot of things online uh, one of the best resources that's available today is something called the Bible Project, put together by a group of people the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, there are videos on each book of the Bible, there are videos on Bible themes and characters and studies, and it's an incredible resource. And I just want to play you now uh, a two and a half minute video that introduces the Bible Project to you, uh, so you know where to look and to give you a little appetite wetter. So the Bible is one of the most influential books of all time,
2: but what is it exactly?
3: Yeah, some people treat the Bible like a divine behavior manual that dropped out of heaven. Others use it like a theology dictionary, written to answer all of our questions about God. And others still think of it like a grab bag of spiritual one-liners and inspiring stories.
2: But here's the thing, the Bible isn't written as a rule book or theology dictionary, or even as a collection of inspirational writings. Then
3: what is the Bible?
2: Well, open up the Bible to page one and read the opening words.
3: In the beginning.
2: Now, turn to the last chapter of the Bible where you can read this. And they
3: reigned forever and ever. Okay, so the Bible's telling a story from beginning to end.
2: Yeah, it is one epic narrative about how God has appointed humanity as his partners to oversee this amazing world. It is about how we have ruined that partnership and how God is restoring us and our world through Jesus.
3: Okay, one story, but there is a lot going on many plots, many characters, all written in many different books.
2: But once you see how every book has a careful literary design, you won't get lost. And you can see how it fits into the overall storyline.
3: There are also important repeated themes that weave through the entire biblical story.
2: Yeah, like the covenants that God makes with people. Or the hope
3: for a human who
2: will confront evil. Or how God's justice will one day make all things right and every theme culminates in the story of Jesus.
3: There are also a lot of strange words in the Bible, words we do not use in normal language.
2: But when we take time to understand them, we discover profound ideas that contribute to the overall biblical story. So, it takes work
3: to know how to read the different types of literature in the Bible.
2: But once you do learn how, you will discover that the Bible is a work of literary genius that can transform how you live and how you think about everything.
3: So that's what the Bible Project is all about to help people see the Bible as one unified story that leads to Jesus.
2: We're a nonprofit animation studio that makes videos and resources.
3: And it's all free to use because of a large group of generous people who've come together to contribute to this project.
2: You can find everything that we're up to at thebibleproject.com.
1: It's the most incredible resource. If you're reading any book of the Bible, I recommend going to the Bible Project website and just watching the introductory video for that book. They're five or six minutes. It just opens things up brilliantly and so accessibly. There's a whole load of other things. Let me just show you three apps. You might like one of these. Uh, There's the You version of the Bible. Uh, That is absolutely free. You can download the app. It has pretty much every version of the Bible, the NIV we use, the message, and lots of different... Uh, there are some videos you can hear the Bible read to you, uh, reading plans. That's a really good one. There's the Bible in one year, which Nikki Gumbel has written a commentary on each day, which takes a psalm, a bit of the Old Testament, a bit of the New. You can start it any day you like. You could start it today if you like. It doesn't really matter. You can download the app onto your phone or your iPad. You can buy a copy of uh, the book uh, with all the commentary that's written on it. If you are going to read it on an iPad or iPhone, I recommend when you've downloaded it to put the iPhone or iPad onto airplane mode so you're not distracted by texts or emails that come in and you can just concentrate on God's word. Well there's a lovely one called Lectio 365 that Pete Gregg and his team have put together. Very simple, just 10 minutes a day that takes a bit of the Bible and helps turn it into prayer. Uh, there are no limit to the resources around there. We have no excuse. The real issue is, are we going to take time to engage with the Bible every day? It is so precious. Uh, please don't leave it on one side. This, if you want to grow in maturity as a Christian, uh, then it's really important to read every day. And I think probably one of the most important decisions I ever made once I would given my life to Jesus as my Lord was to read and chew on a bit of the Bible every day. Uh, Back in the days when I had no intention of being ordained, I was saying, God, I'll do anything else except that. Uh, But I've meditated on the scriptures day by day. There have been the occasional day when I've failed, as there are with all of us. Uh, But each day, to start the day, or the best time of the day for you, whether it's lunchtime or the evening, or Juliet always advises busy mums, the first lull of the day there's no substitute for taking some time to read some scripture and chew on it each day it is so precious and it's useful let's put up uh, verses 15 16 17 again uh, perhaps particularly go to verse 15 where it says that it makes that the bible makes us wise for salvation and verse 16 that it's useful for teaching for rebuking for correcting and for training in righteousness. And then in verse 17, so we would be fully equipped for everything, uh, for every good work God wants us to do. So do you want to be a better parent? Do you want to be a better friend? Do you want to be a better husband or wife? Do you want to be better in your workplace? Do you want to be a better neighbor? Do you want to be a better man or woman? Then engaging with the scriptures will help us become fully equipped to be more the people God has made us to be. The scriptures make us wise for salvation. They help us get into relationship with God. It's not there as a science book. It's there to help us relate to God. It's there to help us relate to the people around us to become who God's made us to be. But of course, it doesn't do that by magic. (laughs) Having it on your shelf won't do you any good unless you actually read the Bible. Uh, around the time I was ordained, as the Iron Curtain came down, there was a Russian poet called Irina Ratchinskaya, who came on a poetry tour of the West, and she noticed, and she said, in every hotel room she stayed in, there was a Bible, usually a Gideon Bible, and she noticed most of them were unread. She said, "We Russians would steal those Bibles. You don't read it. Which is worse, to steal it or to ignore it? Now, of course, one's a crime." And one is just foolish. The Bible is given to be useful to us, to help us grow into relationship with God, to equip us to serve him in every way. And that comes as we meditate on it. Uh, I love the way Psalm 1 puts it, the first Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the instruction, the word of the Lord. And who meditates on that law, that word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. And it's the picture of a tree by a river that even when the rains have stopped and the river's running dry, the roots go deep to get the nourishment so the tree stays good and healthy. And we will face difficult days and good days. It's not easy to follow Jesus, as Paul said to Timothy. But if our roots go down in the scriptures day by day, they will nourish us through the difficult days and through the good days. It tells us to meditate on the word of God. Now, the same word in Hebrew for meditate is used of a dog chewing its bone. So if I give my dog a bone, he takes it off somewhere quiet where we can't interrupt him and he chews on it. And that's the idea for the scriptures. You get off somewhere quietly on your own and you chew on it. You don't just sort of read it quickly and let it go in one ear and out the other. You think it through. You look for a bit where God highlights to you. You turn that into prayer. You try and remember it. Uh, you chew on it. Or people say to me, well, I'm no good at meditating. I always say, do you know how to worry? And they always say, oh, yes, I know how to do that. Well, worrying is the same as meditating. Worrying is just meditating on all the bad things that might happen. You turn them over in your mind all night. Uh, meditating on the scripture is doing the same thing. It's just choosing to focus your mind on the words of the Lord that he's given to us. So we approach it like any other book, let's learn the background, let's learn what the different terms mean so we can understand it. We approach it like no other book. We approach it humbly, it's God's word. We need to ask God to speak to us through it. I often give the illustration of an old sundial if you go to a National Trust property or an old country house. There'll often be a sundial there and on a cloudy day, the sundial is useless. But when the clouds part and the sun comes out, the sundial will speak. And we look at our watches or our phones and see how accurate the time is. We need God to shine His Holy Spirit on the scriptures for it to speak to us. Before you come to faith in Jesus, it's just an old book, quite interesting. Uh, But once God shines His Spirit on it, then we find God speaking to us in relationship through it. So we come prayerfully and humbly, we ask God to speak. We come expectantly, I always keep a journal or a notebook to jot down something each day. Whichever verse draws my attention, I'll write that down. Just writing it down helps it go into my system, it helps me remember it through the day. Uh, J.B. Phillips, when he was translating the Bible in the last century, described the experience as like rewiring the mains of a house with the mains still on, uh, that every now and then it jolted him, he was doing his work and suddenly God would speak to him. Let's expect God to speak to us. let's be honest about it. There are some things in there we don't understand. There probably always will be. But there will always be bits in there that you do understand. And Mark Twain said, it's not the bits of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the bits of the Bible I do understand that bother me. They tell me to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me and worship the Lord with everything and give generously. They are very clear. So you could sort of keep a pending tray of the things you don't understand. God will shine more light on year by year as you follow him. But go with the bits we do understand. You might like to read it imaginatively, as Lissy was encouraging us to do a couple of weeks ago, to put yourself in the story and imagine Jesus speaking to you and saying, what would you like me to do for you, whatever it is. And that's a really good way of engaging with the scriptures, to sort of enter into them imaginatively. We need to read them obediently. When God says something that's for us to do, we must do it you know the story of the two builders on the rock? The wise man built his house on the rock, the fool on the sand. The difference, Jesus said, was those who do what he says. Both the wise and the fool listened to Jesus. The wise man listened and obeyed. The fool listened and did nothing about it. It's not that the wise listens and the fool doesn't. It's listening and putting it into practice. And of course, it's always good to read it with others in our prayer partnerships, our threes, our fours, our small groups, and to learn from what others are saying. But perhaps the most important way to approach it is to decide to read it daily. And if you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to do that today. Have a fresh start with the scriptures, whether you start with one of the Gospels or download the Bible in One Year app or whatever it is, ask the Lord to guide you and start to read a bit each day Ask God to speak. Look for something that you can latch on to and start putting that into practice. So let me pray for you. Perhaps as I lead in prayer, the band would come back. Uh, Let's stand in the church. You've been sitting very patiently. You may want to stand at home and let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we praise you that you have spoken to us through your word in the Bible and supremely through Jesus forgive us when we've ignored it or taken it for granted or only looked at it occasionally we pray that right around our church family here at St Paul's and anyone else who's watching you would pour out your spirit and give us a fresh determination to read your words each day to give time to it to read it slowly and humbly and prayerfully and expecting you to speak Uh, when we're very busy Lord give grace to us to carve time out and we pray that day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year you will shape our thinking and our very being according to the truths of your word we thank you that you've used these truths to shape our nation and that many of the values in our nation are thoroughly Christian values and as we prayed earlier We pray that you would turn our nation back to you. But first we pray for ourselves. Lift our eyes to you. Open our ears to listen to you through your word. Deepen your relationship with us by your Holy Spirit. And give us grace to endure hardship or difficult times as we follow you. Through the strength of your Holy Word. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.